Hi, everyone. This week, we're replaying one of our favorite episodes from the first couple years of the podcast. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks. Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I am Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. All right, uh, Daphne laughed when I told her the subject of today's podcast, but I feel like it's a serious question. The uh, topic today is exercise. Why bother? And the reason (laughs) that this is our topic is that this is a question that I get from a lot of people because it's hard to remember this once you are a personal trainer or once you are someone who exercises regularly, but there are a whole lot of people who do not exercise. And I don't mean don't exercise regularly or don't exercise four times a week. I mean, don't exercise at all. Um, and so this is who we're, we're going to try to convince this week. Um, we're going to try to convince you if you don't exercise that it's worth your time. Uh, and lots of people do exercise, but we do it for all sorts of reasons in all sorts of different ways. And some of those ways are not actually all that useful. So for those of you who do exercise, we're going to try and tell you what's worth your time and what you shouldn't bother doing. So something for everybody in this episode, why bother and what to bother doing? Uh, So why do you bother with exercise? (laughs) So, um, or what me do, was there a time in your life where you didn't bother? There, there was, yeah, there was actually a, um, uh, a long period of time leading up to my 14th year of life in which I, I didn't bother. I, um, or I guess we'll say around, uh, around 12. So I will be completely honest though. When I first started exercising, it, it first began and, and like growing up, I played soccer and, and right. you when and you're I a danced. kid, you don't think of it as exercise yeah. or hopefully you're not thinking of it as exercise. You're just thinking of it as like active play. Yeah. I probably started exercising too early to be honest with you. And, and I'm very aware of this. Um, and I started when I was 12 and it was with a, a workout video that I, you know, begged my mom to order because I watched the infomercial and as a 12 year old already, I had been very, um, re- uh, struggling very deeply for many years at that point. And, and I was only 12 with body, image, with stuff, body right? image. Yeah. Body image and also weight, but I guess not necessarily weight because, you know, when you look back at photos, there was actually never really an issue with my weight. I just thought there was. Isn't that so, so frustrating? Yeah. Yeah. When you look back I on it. I have the same mm-hmm. thing. I worried about it so much for so many years of my life. And I look back at those pictures now and I'm like, Oh, what were you worried yeah, about? Totally. Yeah. I look back at pictures of me when I was 10 and I remember how I felt my and entire fifth grade year. You're a kid. Like I now I would never look at a 10 year old and be like, man, that 10 year old needs to lose a few pounds. Exactly. But exactly. when you're that age, it's already yeah. so deep. Totally. And it's all very, it's all very sad because it absolutely affects childhood. So, um, but anyways, not to get Daphne's like super. a wounded dove, you guys. <laughs> She's obviously never recovered and has terrible self-esteem. <laughs> So, um, what, what got me into exercise at first was of course weight loss, or which what I think I, what it is for needed. most women for I, sure, for sure. And yeah. probably more men than it used to be. Definitely. Definitely. 
Um, it, it's a very powerful instigator. You know, it's a very powerful Shame mo- is. motivator. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's very rare that people say, well, I just want to feel better. <laughs> it's not that rare that because, they say it. Right. It's rare right, that that's that they really what's going believe on. It. Yeah, because there are lots of ways that people can just feel better. But oftentimes appearance and loss or reduction of body fat is the main reason why people dive into a workout routine. Um, however, I, I will say this when I started to, so that was, you know, two years of, um, really, really bizarre craziness, like, you know, doing this exercise video video in my, in my bedroom, like after everyone went to sleep and, and, um, you know, not coming down for breakfast on morning, like Saturday and Sunday mornings, because I was consumed with doing this exercise video every single day. So, um, and, and this is absolutely letting people into, you know, the, the disordered life I had for a really long sure. time. I and, bet it will sound familiar yeah. to a lot of people. Exactly. Which is why, you know, I'm so open about sharing it because I, my hope is that it, it helps other people. Um, but then when I discovered running, oddly enough, my relationship shifted. So instead of going this direction where the running became very extreme, it actually prevented me from having to, it essentially broke me from this VHS tape of, um, you know, this, <laughs> this stupid workout video. And it was a long workout. It was like 50 minutes that I did every single day. Um, uh, so, and, and yeah, that is actually, I would say that is kind of too, no, I will say this, that is too early to be strength training. Um, but uh, when I started running when I was 14, that actually was what clicked for me because I felt a different emotional and mental reaction to the running versus where I felt imprisoned to this. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so silly. This exercise but it's very video. Real. So um, for me, discovering running and being outdoors and the breathing and the connection with nature and the connection with my body actually, I felt was the start of my start of a healing process of uh, the the disordered body image and disordered eating and the compulsive exercising for me. So that is what um, that is when I discovered and realized that there were more mental and emotional benefits than just the physical. And I began to run because it made me a happier and less stressed human. And it actually kind of healed my relationship with food because I kind of experienced hunger cues for the very first time. Whereas prior to that, I would just eat purely out of emotions and it was like binge and starve and binge and starve. Um, or then, you know, or eat too much or, or binge and then go and do the exercise video. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid exercise video. I should find it. I should you find should. it and I should, you know. We should do it and then burn it in some sort of ceremony. Yeah, we should have some type of ritual. Um, but <laughs> Guys, that was, in our live yeah. show, we're going to burn a VHS tape. I'm so kidding. We're not allowed to have fire. So that's, um, so that was, so, so, so in all honesty, that's what, that's why I started to exercise. I started to kind of 12 it. and then 14. I, w- I asked you a question that I don't know the answer to for myself because um, I was always active as a young person because I always danced and I, I played various sports and stuff never very well but I did and in high school I was on the dance team so that was like mainly my activity and I ran track poorly a couple years um, and the first time I ever remember going to a gym to work out was in college because we had free access to the gyms at NYU. Um, And at the time, I think it probably was in reaction to something a casting director said about losing weight. Um, But I don't remember knowing what to do. I definitely was just on the elliptical. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but I also don't remember feeling like negatively about it. 
but it definitely didn't have a lot of purpose behind it, except that I felt like it was something I was supposed to be doing. Um, but then, uh, when I left college, um, sort of in the first three years after school is when I like joined my gym, um, started running, ran my first half marathon. Um, and it's been slow for me going from exercise feeling like a chore to exercise feeling like something I want to do, but it is now a pretty steady, regular part of my life. And some days it feels like a chore and some days it feels like something I really want to and get to do. So, you know, I'm still like in that mix for sure. Um, one thing that I have realized that now has really kept me doing it is uh, the effect on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it really uh, helps me be more flexible with stuff that happens in my life. Um, it helps me calm down when I am anxious. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I notice that I feel better emotionally when I have exercised. Mm-hmm. So that has been pretty compelling evidence to me that it's something I should keep doing in my life. Uh, However, there are a lot of other reasons to bother with exercise. So we're going to talk about some of them and some of them will be compelling to you. Some of them will be harder to make meaningful for you. But if you can find one that gets you up off your couch, that's all you need to start doing it. And then bonus, you get all the other stuff too. Mm -hmm. I think the good thing about all the things we're going to talk about, um, uh, it can be very motivating to begin an exercise routine for an event or to hit a certain goal weight or something along those because lines. Because it's New Year's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how how people have a very um, intense reaction when there's some type of goal or some type of, uh, some type of physical aspect of it when it's appearance related. Uh, I've learned in my many years of being a personal trainer, which is 10 years at this point in time, that when people shift their goal and instead of it being about looking a certain way or hitting a certain number or making the goal just fitting into a certain something for an event, uh, when people make their goal and reshift their relationship with exercise to focus on the mental and the emotional and the physical health benefits of it, and then also reworking their mental relationship with the exercise is something they get the opportunity to, to do versus something that they have to do. That is when people bring exercise into their lives and into their routines because they really do fall in love with it. And, and that's what we're going to talk fail. about. And you can't fail. That's yeah. the thing that's yeah, different that's so when true. your goal is based on weight and size versus when your goal is based on something else is that when your goal is based on weight and size, most of us will fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because we're bad people and it's not because we're lazy and it's not because we're just like meant to be fat or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because like there's only so much control we actually have over the size of our bodies and uh, our expectations are almost always going to be unrealistic. And so we're almost always not going to meet them. Mm -hmm. But when you shift your goal or shift your reason for exercising to something else, you're going to succeed. And guess what? We like to do things we succeed at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And another thing too, talking about uh, success and failure. Uh, Even if you get outdoors for a 15 minute walk, that's your success. Totally. Not the number on the scale. The success is you actually having done something for you mentally, physically, and emotionally. Totally. Yeah. All right. So reasons to bother with exercise. First one, it's good for your heart. Heart health. 
So being physically active is very important for your heart. Your heart is a muscle, and we have to strengthen your heart the way we strengthen all the other muscles in our bodies. So two of the, there are, are two big things right now. It's heart disease and stroke. And for uh, Americans... Heart disease and stroke yeah, is so hot so, right so now. So hot right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are. I know, unfortunately. But they're, uh, for, in America, it's the number one and number five, uh, essentially, killers of humans. And when you improve your overall cardiovascular health, when you are strengthening and working your heart in a good way, at least a few times a week, you are able to drastically prevent those things from happening. So the American Heart Association recommends... Uh, adults doing at least 30 minutes of, they say moderate intensity aerobic activity five days a week, or 25 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity at least, you know, three times a week, uh, to which I will say, you know, throw in some high intensity interval training, and then you can you can do less moderate, which I guess is what they are saying. In terms of these actual guidelines, it, it, one, structure is good, but uh, this is very, very, very general. Every single human, every single body has different amounts of time that they can allot to exercise. So you're different see, places they're starting from. Yeah, ex- exactly. So you are going to see um, different organizations or associations or different clinics will all say different things. but And, and we ourselves are probably going to say something different too. And ultimately, it's what works the best for you and your body. So heart health. Yes. So basically, like doing some stuff that it gets your heart pumping yeah. is good because it strengthens your heart, which you need to um, lower your risks of heart disease and stroke. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty... Oh, and, um, and blood pressure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so blood pressure, uh, making sure your blood pressure does not get too high and keeping it in a normal, safe, and healthy range so your heart is just pumping the appropriate level. And that is, and to do that, you do cardiovascular exercises. So essentially anything that gets your heart rate up. So you breathing heavy. Right. For some of you, that might just be walking around the block. And if that's where you're at, great. Mm -hmm. For some of you, your heart might not really get pumping unless you're like doing, you know, burpees in Daphne's class. (laughs) And that's fine too. Uh, It's about challenging your body, not about what challenges other people's bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. Because who cares about them? Yeah. You're in it for number one. It's all about you. That's right. <laughs> all right. The next uh, thing exercise is good for, it's good for your lungs, right? Good for your lungs. Extremely good for your lungs. So the lungs bring oxygen into your body, and the oxygen is what provides energy. And then also the lungs are what remove the carbon dioxide, which is the waste product that is created when you're essentially breathing. And the heart pumps the oxygen to the muscles during the exercise, but when you... Um, but when you exercise, your lungs actually expand and contract, and they expand and contract. And the more exercise you do, the stronger your lungs get, and you're actually able to intake a little bit more oxygen. So that's why people notice the more they work out or the more they uh, the more they exercise, they maybe don't feel as out of breath, and it's because the lungs are getting a little bit stronger and are working just a little bit more effectively at intaking the oxygen, sending it to your heart, and then putting the pushing out the carbon dioxide. Yeah, if you're finding that you're getting winded in the course of your regular life, doing some uh, exercise is going to help your lungs get stronger so that you don't get winded in just like the regular course of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. It's... um. Uh, lung capacity. That's something that people talk about often. Exercise, uh, aerobic exercise, or, or uh, you know, once again, the breathing and the walking and getting kind of out of breath. That is what helps to improve 
your lung capacity, which once again goes back to what I just said, helps you intake more oxygen. Totally. All right. Uh, good for your mental health. We both talked about that that was a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like some sciencey stuff about what it does for your mental health, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So exercise and mental health. Uh, clearly you and I have a very deep connection to exercise. And, and one of the reasons why you and I love it so much is because we just feel happier when we do it. Uh, exercise and mental health. I just gave an entire presentation on this at a networking event uh, on Monday or awesome. just a few days ago. So I'm going to con- I'm going to consolidate everything of what I said in a 30 minute presentation into essentially a minute. Um, exercise is how powerful exercise is for mental health. The the ways are um, it's like exponential. Yeah. Okay. So exercise helps with stress. Exercise helps with anxiety. Exercise helps with depression. Exercise helps with sleep. Uh, One of the reasons why exercise helps with all of those things, we'll talk about the stress first, is, um, and I've told you this before too, so when Caveman was under stress, way back in the day, Caveman would either fight or flight. Caveman would either attack whatever was attacking him or caveman would run. And that's um, just the human body's stress response. So nowadays when we feel any type of stress, whether it's physical stress, emotional stress, emotional stress is more often what people think about when we talk about stress, like stress at work, stress, um, you know, financial stress, relationship stress, physical stressors are things like having a cold, um, not getting enough sleep. That's a really big physical stressor. And uh, being in an actually dangerous being situation. in an actually dangerous situation. So what happens is your body experiences some type of stress. Your brain knows that it's not life threatening, and we actually have a whole episode on stress in which yeah. I go way more in depth. This is like the very very um, abbreviated Cliff's Notes, Sparks Notes, or Cliff's Notes version <laughs> of it. <laughs> there were two. Um, so. The human body all of a sudden needs to fight or flight. However, nowadays, when we feel this intense, like, burning stress, like the boss just sent us a terrible email and, um, you know, the, the company is falling apart. But instead of fighting or flighting, so instead of attacking the stressor or instead of running away, we just sit at our laptops. And the stress sits in our body and it gets really toxic and all of a sudden cortisol, the stress hormone, is getting released everywhere. And cortisol is literally designed to just make your body store fat. So the reason why exercise is great for stress specifically is because it actually physicalizes the stress and it creates the the fight or the flight. So just by going for a run or exerting some physical energy is going to get the stress out of your body. The body's like, oh, thank goodness we decided to flee. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The body's like, phew. Or if you're in boxing class, it's like, oh, thank goodness we decided to fight. Mm -hmm. That's why people always say they feel so much better after a workout. Um, I noticed it with pretty much every single client, every single workout Every single class I teach, people will come to me and they are a different person by the end of the workout. And it's just amazing what a little bit of sweat and what a little bit of oxygen can do. So which leads me to talk about, uh, now, now in terms of depression and anxiety and um, mental health, the reason why stress is, or the reason why exercise is really great for uh, mental disorders, if you will, mental health, if you will, is because when we exercise, there's a chemical that's released in the brain called serotonin. And serotonin is actually a mood stabilizer. 
It's a mood stabilizer. So in addition to endorphins, which are just a mood enhancer, a mood stabilizer comes into place. And then we have adrenaline as well, which helps feel, make you feel energized and kind of like pumped up. You know, adrenaline is, is really great for feeling the energy. The endorphins are really awesome because they make you feel a really happy high, but the serotonin is just what makes you happy and stable. So it's the serotonin that helps with the depression and the anxiety and, and the stress as well. So that's why stress is great, or that's why exercise is great for mental health, because I want to just talk about the brain. The brain releases serotonin, adrenaline, endorphins. When we exercise, all of those things get released. All of those things, all these, um, all these uh, hormones will exist in your body and they'll create a nice state of equilibrium in which your mood will stabilize. And uh, and I think for people with depression, I, I think that exercise can be so powerful with helping, uh, you know, with the mood. Yeah, and, and and this is, I guess, a whole separate topic, you know, talking about exercise and depression. That could be probably like an entire episode in for itself. Sure. But, you know, I am completely open about talking about how, you know, exercise is what, you know, saved me and, and continues to keep me from uh, you know, getting into a place of, you know, depression. And mm-hmm. I do feel like it is very powerful for that. Totally. So that's why exercise is good for mental health. And I would say like, um, both of us are big fans of going to doctors and getting on meds if you need them for yeah, depression for sure. or anxiety yeah. or any of that stuff, like good for you. Like you should totally be on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown that exercise can also be a really powerful component, um, in, uh, improving mental health, even with diagnosable conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are definitely not saying stay away from the doctor and just right, go for right. a run because totally. that's not safe. Yeah. Um, but we are saying that like, that could be a really useful part, really useful piece of the puzzle because often it takes a while to like figure out exactly what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it's tricky because one of the things about depression is it makes it really hard to do the stuff that help you be not depressed. Totally. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you are in a place where you can get some physical activity into your life, uh, you may see really great benefits. Mm-hmm. So, so one thing that I, the way I kind of closed off this little presentation I did, you know, talking about everyone's motivated by some type of goal or an incentive, like people yeah. respond very well to incentives. Let the serotonin be your incentive. So instead of letting the the, the dress or the event or uh, the number or, you know, whatever bikini body, I don't know, like what, whatever the, these buzzwords are right yeah. now that people are, women especially are kind of, you know, focusing on instead of focusing on that, focus on the serotonin, but do the exercise because you know, a wonderful chain of uh, effects are going to happen in your brain. Totally. And that's, that's one of the things that's really hard for normal people like me is that the serotonin comes after and it's so hard yeah. to re- to believe when you're sitting on your couch and you're like watching Netflix and stuff. It's really hard to remember how good it feels to have mm-hmm. exercised. I'm really glad you said that. It's in the, yeah, you're right. The serotonin doesn't happen before, <laughs> and I'm the same way. Uh, yeah. it doesn't really kick in until uh, most of the time, just afterwards. Yeah. Even during, it's you're kind of struggling. The like, entire this is time. the worst. Yeah. So then let the the high at the end. Yeah, you might have to work for it. You might have to work for that serotonin. Uh, no, you you do you will have to work for that serotonin, but let that be your incentive to um, stimulate you to 
go into the physical activity to begin with. Yeah, and try to take note of it um, when it's happening because it is hard to remember when it's not happening to you. So try to like take a moment and feel how good it feels. Um, I when I like finish a run or a really hard workout, I try to like physically pat myself on somewhere on my body and say "good job" on your butt. <laughs> Usually my butt, um, and uh, and that helps me to sort of remember the next time because I've like physically acknowledged it. Yeah. Um, it helps me remember the next time, like, this is going to work. You're going to feel better when you do this. This is an important thing for you. And so even though right now it feels like a chore and a pain, it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. It's just like taking medication or whatever. It's like, it's not fun to have to take pills if yeah. you are a person who has to take pills for stuff, but like you do it because you know that it makes you feel better. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, prescribe yourself some exercise. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, next one. Exercise helps you sleep. It really does. Because you get tired. Yeah. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) It kind of goes back to that um, toxic stress we were talking about. The exercise helps you expend energy. People sleep better when they exercise. Um, You will hear sometimes uh, people say when you exercise too close to going to bed, it actually kind of like revives you. Wakes you up. I've never experienced that, but (laughs) I, I would rather you exercise then skip it because you think it's going to keep you up so yeah just just my personal also anyone take. who's ever done a yoga class and then ended in shavasana and yeah. hasn't felt like they were about to fall asleep yeah yeah it's that's the best feeling I'll like yoga like myself to bed yeah total and i have been training evening clients and teaching evening classes since the dawn of time and everyone <laughs> sleeps just fine people sleep better when they exercise so it gives you a chance to physicalize any stress in your body and it gives you a chance to exert yourself physically, and that is how we can help you sleep better from a physical standpoint than from the emotional standpoint when you deal with stressors or when you, once again, physicalize any emotional or mental stress. It helps turn the brain off um, at night. Totally. So clutch. <laughs> and then sleeping more helps with all that other stuff. It helps with the emotional and mental stuff. Absolutely. It helps with um, like burning body fat, all that stuff. Sleep yeah. so clutch. Yeah, is everyone noticing the chain reaction right now of you know when you exercise the everything? Circle of your bones. <laughs> everything falls into place. It's it all does. connected. Uh, speaking of bones, uh, the next one I was going to say is that it's good for your bone strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exercise and bone strength. Uh, one of the big things right now, uh, and I've mentioned this lightly before, and this is what I'm going to talk about when it comes to exercise and why it helps with your bone strength. And so when we're talking about bone strength, we're not necessarily talking about like joints and ligaments. It's good for that too, obviously. Exercise is great for keeping you loose and limber, but we're talking about your actual bones. And the reason why exercise helps with bone strength is because of this. Our bones absorb calcium through our muscles. The more lean muscle mass we have, the more calcium is able to get absorbed into the bones from your muscles. So when people think about ingesting calcium, uh, when you eat calcium, it's not as if it goes straight to your bones. It, the, the calcium just goes into your body, but the muscles have it and the bones take it from the muscles. So if you have no muscle, no calcium. That's how when, when you see people who are very, maybe people who are older, they're, um, you know, they look weaker and, and brittle is like yeah, the word, like total totally. bones. And um, so that's why strength training is so important for people who are elderly and for people who are getting older because it's great for bone health. Um, I've actually noticed it in the Crohn's and colitis world Mm. that people, because they don't get as much nutrition, 
because they can't absorb it because maybe they had a surgery to remove some of their intestines or maybe they can't eat as much as a normal person. Um, so then what happens is they actually are way more prone to stress fractures. And sure. I have seen this across the board because I'll work with people who have Crohn's disease and, but we're working in an athletic setting in mm-hmm. which I'm training them for, to walk or run a half marathon. And, um, I've, I've had a, a girl drop a hairdryer on her foot bef- coming, before coming to, uh-huh. to training, uh, sadly enough, and that broke her foot. Oh. And that would never happen to anyone. Right. I would, had, like, probably swear in my bathroom. Right, but. right. Uh, if anything, you would get maybe just a bruise. Right. But she full-on had a, a fracture and was in a boot from a hairdryer falling on her foot. Oh. That's why you strength train. You strength train, so, and, and granted... Uh, you know, nutrition. It's not her fault that right, she right, has right. <laughs> this, this disease, disease that makes it harder. Crohn's disease, yeah. So it, you have to strength train, but you also need to eat calcium, or you need to just eat overall nutrient dense food so that your bones can absorb all that goodness from the muscles. But you need to have muscle, right? So you can't just be skin and bones because then your bones are going to get brittle. And They'll break. be skin and broken bones. Yeah, because of hair dryers. Totally. Yeah. The benefits of exercise, aside from weight loss, far outweigh. Losing weight. Totally. Like, exercise essentially adds years to your life. And if something enhances the current quality of your life so much, my question is, why wouldn't you do it? Right? Mm. So that's, that's, I guess, the, the question I am, you know, posing to all our and listeners who are answer, resistant. I would say, there's so much on Netflix. <laughs> so much. We're at peak TV, Daphne. I know. There's a lot of good stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so work out first and, and then watch the Netflix. And I um, think it's... I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So you've convinced me, at least, that I should bother exercising. Um, <laughs> what should we actually do when mm-hmm. we exercise and what is not worth our time? Mm-hmm. So first, I want to start with cardio because I think that traditionally, uh, at least when I was growing up, that's what I thought of exercise as being is cardio, yeah. whether yeah. it was like aerobics or running or biking or swimming or whatever. Um, that's, I think, a lot of people's, like, first entree into exercise. Yeah. So what does cardio do for us, and how often should we do it, and what should we be thinking about when we do cardio to make it actually useful? Yeah. So that's a great question. Cardio is the the easiest thing to do because everyone can at least hit quick start on a treadmill. Right. And everyone can hop onto elliptical into onto an elliptical trainer and start moving and then hit quick start because then you realize you still have to hit quick start. <laughs> um, and then everyone can hop onto a stationary bike. Cardio is easier in the sense that it's a little less scary. Cardio is a little bit easier in the sense that um, people who are wanting to dive into a workout routine or regimen feel comfortable doing that right, because, because it's, it's a more like stuff that we do like yeah like in day-to-day life yeah yeah uh and then we, we get into things like well terrible running form that i've seen and on a daily basis um one of these days i just want to be like the running police and one of these days i'm just gonna go to every single person i see with bad running form and i'm gonna help them but but i don't because that's weird and <laughs> <laughs> so cardio Here's the thing. If you are doing some type of fitness class or something, or if you're doing some type of maybe high-intensity interval training, or if you are doing some type of, um, if you're taking dance classes, you actually don't really need to do the cardio. We have all these 
studies right now that show us that there's actually it's actually not that beneficial for us to to be on a machine for maybe 45 minutes and just pedaling mindlessly or ellipticaling mindlessly. Um, I oftentimes will see people at the gym and they will be on the elliptical and they'll have maybe their homework in front of them or they have a book in front of them or they have the TV on or they have the... Um, I've seen people with like a highlighter, like <laughs> like going through My highlighter documents. would be like scribble, scribble, I know, scribble, yeah. scribble. <laughs> like going through documents while they're on the elliptical. My rule is if you can do your homework while you're working out, you're not working out. And then you notice people are barely breathing, like their mouths are closed and they're like looking easy and effortless. And um, so cardio, what does it do for us? Cardio, um, cardio is very powerful in the sense that once again, it strengthens our heart. It gets us sweating. It releases endorphins. It releases serotonin. It's good for our lungs. However, we can do better types of cardio. So something you can do is instead of going at such a moderate pace for so long, you can absolutely pick a machine and do intervals on it. And you can do hills on machines. So play around with the bikes and play around with the stairs, play around with the the elliptical and the treadmill. I'm not saying that these machines are bad by any means because I myself use them, especially throughout the winter um, when it's too cold to run outside. And um, uh, the only one that I'm always a little wary of is the elliptical because in my opinion, it's hard to make it, it hard just enough. too easy. It is just too easy. But that being said, if you are diving into the wonderful world of exercise and if you want to start there, by all means, go ahead. Um, it's a nice way of easing you into it, but I won't, would almost prefer people use the, the treadmill, the bike, and the stair machine first over the elliptical. So, um, And when you say intervals, that if you haven't done intervals before, that's basically like you warm up until your muscles are warm, and then you uh, switch off going like either really fast or at like a really high incline, something that makes it really hard mm -hmm. for, say, like one minute, and then you back off and you keep moving, but you do like a more moderate pace and recover for like two or three minutes, mm -hmm. and you keep going like that. And that's how you maximize your time on a cardio machine, if you are going to do cardio. However, there are other ways to do cardio besides just running and um, biking and doing the stairs. You can, you can walk. I mean, that's cardio for some people. And also high-intensity interval training or doing cardiovascular exercises like jumping jacks, high knees, jogging in place, butt kickers, burpees, jump squats. That's also cardio. That totally counts. Totally, totally counts. Cool. Um, two things that uh, a lot of people do. Um, is it really important for everyone to be a long-distance runner? That's a great question. Um, if you are not training for a half marathon or a marathon, if you're not training for a race, there's actually really no reason for you to go above five or six miles. There's just no reason. At that point in time, it's just breaking down your body and... Um, and you're better off doing a mix of running and a mix of strength training or high-intensity interval training or cross-training. What about all these um, bike-based spinning classes that are very popular right now? So that's a big trend right now. Um, I appreciate these classes. Every time I go to one, I have a really good time. Um, but I will tell you this. Uh, anytime you are on a machine that absorbs so much energy, you are working less hard. So even though you're in a room and there's lights and there's music and really fun instructors, this is science. This has nothing to do with how I feel about spin studios at all. But science um, and physics, uh, when you have a machine that's absorbing energy, naturally you're burning less energy. So you're better off actually running outdoors, doing some hills, using your own body weight. And yeah, people say, yeah, well, I get up in the saddle. Like, yeah, you get up in the saddle, but there's still a bike absorbing a lot of energy 
which is a good sense if you are rehabbing from an an injury and you need to get cardio from a less impactful, you know, impact Mm -hmm. is like a a word where people are like, impact is bad, impact is bad. Impact is actually not bad. Um, Intensity is not bad. There's way to have, like, impact is not necessarily a bad thing. Running outdoors is going to burn more calories than spinning, and that is science. And um, in terms of whether or not I enjoy spinning, I actually do. It's 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 a fun activity. And does it get your heart rate up? Yes, it does. Does it get your lungs working? Yes, it does. Does it give you a nice little serotonin boost? So it's literally checking off all the things um, on the list. Is it great cardio? Yes, it is great cardio. Is it the best cardio? I would have to say no. I would have to say no. And I know because I know what my body looks like after a run. And I know what my body looks like after a spin class, mainly like my, my midsection, not that anyone would ever notice this besides me, but it's after a run that I, because you're using so much more of your core. Um, whereas I don't feel, and I don't look that way after a spin class. So that's, that's my take on the wonderful world of spin. Totally. Uh, cool. All right. So that's cardio. Uh, what about strength training? What does it do for us? How often should we do it? And what should we be doing? Okay. Strength training minimum once a week. Minimum. Minimum once a week. Why do we strength train? We strength train because we want to build lean muscle mass. Lean muscle mass is critical, critical because it helps support our bones. It helps create balance in our body because muscle imbalance and muscle weakness creates injury and pain. And this is a way of preventing pain. And then lastly, it gives us a nice shape, a nice definition, a nice tone. Tone. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, we talked about functional strength in an episode. Uh, can you just review what functional strength functional is? strength training is the type of strength training that I personally like to do with myself and the type that I like to do with my clients and functional strength training is when you perform exercises that help with day-to-day activities so things like squats um, things like push-ups so essentially many body weight exercises and some incorporating dumbbells you can absolutely incorporate different um, equipment pieces to train but functional strength training are functional strength training utilizes muscles that you use in day-to-day life so activating your abs by doing planks sit-ups are functional because we do have to sit up from the ground all the time so, yeah <laughs> so functional training is um uh, one of the best ways to strength train cool uh what about like lifting super heavy or bodybuilding or like flipping tires mm-hmm. so in terms of bodybuilding Uh, it's kind of like what you said about half marathon and marathon training. Like there's no real reason for you to, there's no real reason for you to run these long distances unless you are running a half or full marathon. You're not really getting any fitter in all honesty. You're just getting your body conditioned to being on your feet for that length of time. So it's kind of the same thing with bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is more a way of training for the sake of, lifting heavy things and packing on muscle and this can be with men for like for men or women but it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the most healthy so oftentimes bodybuilders avoid cardio because they just want to they don't want to burn any muscle and they don't want to burn any i guess maybe they're lean already but they just don't want to burn anything they just want to build so then they avoid cardio so that's not necessarily the most well-rounded thing uh most well-rounded form of exercise in terms of heavy lifting um, heavy lifting, when it comes to moving heavy things, I think that 
yes, from a female perspective, like when I am rowing with, I don't know, 55 pounds, if that's what we consider heavy lifting, then yes, you have to <laughs> That lift, would be heavy to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like heavy, but versus doing like three pound dumbbells. Right. That's what we mean by heavy lifting. If you, it's okay to go heavy. You're not going to bulk up. You're actually going to build muscle quicker and you're going to lean out faster using maybe 10 pound dumbbells versus three pound dumbbells. So a lot of times you see in different classes now where the, the weights are no heavier than two or three pounds. And yeah, I, I, I could really go into a lot of detail on why that's not necessarily, it's an, well, first of all, it's not functional at all. Um, because no time in life are you going to sit somewhere and just pulse your arms out, you know, <laughs> it, it, like a thousand times. Unless you are trying to fly, you know, I unless guess. Unless you're trying to fly, yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe not that functional. So heavy lifting is actually okay if you incorporate it into your functional training. What we mean by heavy lifting is just using weights. Don't be as scared of weights. You're not going to bulk up. Cool. All right, now your favorite one. Let's talk about HIT. So what is high-intensity interval training? What does it do for us, and how often should we be doing it? So I love high-intensity interval training. It's my entire brand. <laughs> high-intensity interval training is, as of right now, with all the research, the, the most efficient and effective way to train strength and cardio all at the same time. High-intensity interval training is when you do exercises and you work to your maximum effort in just a short amount of time, and then you follow it with a rest period, and then you spike everything back up again, and you just keep doing this over and over and over again. You can do this during your run, you can do this on the bike, or you can do this with exercises and incorporate exercises that are cardiovascular and strength-based, push-ups, squats, incorporate them into the intervals. Cool. How often should we be doing it? So, in my opinion, I, I, I do feel like people could do high-intensity interval training about two times a week. Strength does fit into that, though. So that's the thing with high-intensity interval training workouts. You can incorporate strength workouts like push-ups, rows, abs, squats, lunges into the high-intensity interval training workout, which is why it's so efficient because it kills two birds with one stone. Totally. So if, if, if I were to create a perfect week for someone, it would involve... Uh, or maybe, well, let's talk about the last one and then I'll tell you what my perfect week was okay. for me. Well, the reason I brought up the how often should we do it is I just did a HIT workout on Fitness Blender, mm -hmm. which is one of our favorite like free online uh, exercise things. And at the end, she said, like, HIT is great and you should definitely be doing it. I wouldn't recommend doing it more than three times a week because mm -hmm. it's, it is pretty high uh, like impact or mm -hmm. it can be high impact yeah. and you want to make sure you give your body time to recover. Yeah. So when we say that hit is awesome, we're not saying, so do that for all of your workouts. Right. Right. Uh, for that reason that like it is pretty intense. So you want to make sure that you're giving your body time to recover. Mm -hmm. The body makes fitness gains during recovery. Totally. All right. My last one, yoga. What does it do for us and how often should we do it? I love yoga. Yoga is really great. And I know you love yoga too. We both do different types of yoga. And I know there are some people out there who don't do yoga at all. And we're not saying you should. <laughs> there are still some people. It seems like there aren't anymore, but there are. Yeah. And that's okay. You totally don't have to do it. Like, you don't have to do it. There are ways to stretch. Oftentimes, people go into yoga, um, men especially, and they'll say, I need to get more flexible. Uh -huh. um, which is true. It'll help with that. But it's there are ways to get more flexible without actually doing yoga. You could just foam roll and stretch at the end of every workout. And I guarantee you that's going to get you a little bit more flexible. Um, yoga does a lot for us yoga and, and I'm not a certified yoga instructor. So I'll just be super clear with that. Uh, I think there's a great mental emotional aspect of yoga. I think yoga can be very cardiovascular sometimes. And I do think that yoga is, um, very powerful from 
an alignment and strength standpoint, but it depends on the type and it depends on the practice. So I do Bikram yoga and that's my favorite type of yoga because I, I love to sweat because I respond mentally very well to being, um, very sweaty. I'm just a very sweaty human. She so, is. <laughs> so, um, but you know, Bikram yoga is also much about strength and alignment. And then I feel like you do more vinyasa flow power. And the great thing is with yoga nowadays, there's so many different types of yoga. There's power yoga, yoga for runners, yoga for moms, yoga for everyone. And I feel, and, and someone might disagree with me on this, but we, I, I feel like we do it for, um, uh, loosening up the muscles and I feel like we do this for flexibility and we do it for a mental emotional aspect as well in terms of how many times a week we can do yoga I think it's a little bit more um you could do it a little bit more frequently than high intensity interval training but this is my overall overarching rule for every single type of workout, the body makes fitness gains during recovery. So you actually never really want to do the same thing two days in a row. Try to switch it up. Try to keep alternating the workouts so that the body isn't reworking the same things that actually might still be in recovery. Cool. So in your perfect week that you were going to put together for us, <laughs> now that we've gone through all these things, what does is, what is your perfect week look like? And so, this doesn't have to be what everyone no, does. Yeah, so everyone is going to have a different perfect week. Everyone in the universe is going to have a different perfect week. For some people, getting one workout a weekend, that's going to make them really happy. For some people, maybe it's two. For some people might need five. It depends on a variety of factors. It depends on your lifestyle. It depends on emotionally what you think is going to work for you that isn't going to make you feel like workout becomes an obligation. Um, for me, my perfect workout week would look like this. It would look like taking one Bikram yoga class. It would be taking one of my own hit classes and then going on about two runs just between maybe three to five miles, depending on the day. Um, and then within all of that, what I, so we'll say that's four. And then I always throw in one workout that I just do at home in which it's just essentially just me kind of like flopping around my apartment. But I, <laughs> I just, I'll do, you know, jumping jacks. And this is when I will do very like core centric things and I have dumbbells and I'll do more arms, you know, if you will. And, um, so I guess we can call this more my strength workout. So that's what a perfect week would look like for me or what I like to do, whether or not that always happens. I mean, it doesn't always happen and that's okay because once again, normal working out is flexible working out. But, um, in terms of these physical activities, I love all of them and I enjoy doing them. And, and ultimately that's why, that's why we exercise because we enjoy it. And because we know that, um, the, be the benefits far outweigh not doing it. Totally. Well, all right. I'm going to do a little takeaway here. Exercise. Why bother? Because it's good for you in a lot of different ways. It's good for your heart, your lungs, your mental and emotional health. It's good for helping you sleep. It's good for your bone strength. Um, and it is great for uh, helping to shape your body uh, in a way that you might like. Um, so uh, yeah, it's really good for you in a lot of different ways. Um, once we've decided we're gonna exercise, we're gonna do a mix of cardio and strength training. Um, if we're uh, doing cardio, we're going to try to focus on less time, but instead more intensity and using intervals and uh, high intensity interval training can help us do that. Um, we're not going to worry about running super long distances unless we're training for a long distance event because it, it's 
just not uh, necessary. Um, and uh, yoga is uh, great as sort of an addition to those other strength training and cardio workouts um, because it can help with alignment and uh, I always find it sort of meditative to do it. Uh, and uh, it, it has like some strength and some cardio elements depending on what you're doing. But you don't want to, whatever you do, you don't want to be doing the same thing two days in a row. You want to have a nice mix of stuff so we can be well-rounded. I guess I'm going to bother exercising, Daphne. <laughs> you convinced me. Yay. The truth I'm... is you convinced me a while ago, and uh, <laughs> that's why I do it. Oh, so good. Yeah, I think ultimately creating a healthy relationship with, I mean, obviously food and your body, but creating a healthy relationship with exercise. Having a good and positive relationship with it where you really do find the the physical activities that you love and that resonate with you and do them because uh, not because I say so not because someone else is telling you to do it but because inherently it'll make you feel you know it'll make you feel better as a human and um and 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 then I will say this too if if there is resistance to it explore that why is that resistance there? You know, who was it that told you maybe you have to do this a long time ago? And who are you rebelling against, really? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally <nice> deep. <laughs> That's so real, though. Uh, real and talk, normal yeah. people, it may take a while until you're at the place where you're like, I'm doing this for me, and I love to exercise. So at the beginning, if you need to do it for Daphne, do it for Daphne. <laughs> and then eventually, you'll find you're doing it for you. Yeah, and then post it on Instagram, and then I'll like it. She totally will. She will uh, give you some uh, social media love. I'll give you some emoto- emoticons of a hand clapping. That's true. I've gotten those uh, clapping hands from Daphne many, many times. times. <laughs> it always makes me feel great. All right. Thanks, Daphne. we call Best Choice, where we talk about a restaurant that most people in the country will encounter at some point in their lives, and we talk about how to make a great choice, or the best choice at least, uh, when we go there. Um, And the caveat here is Daphne says, if this is a place you go once a year and it's like a treat for you, just get what you want. Uh, But what we're going to talk about today is this is a place that maybe you end up going frequently or when you don't really have a lot of choices in whether or not you go there. And so you're stuck there and you're trying to make a good choice. Mm-hmm. So today's is based on a time recently when I was stuck and didn't have a lot of <laughs> options. Uh, my family went to a wedding in South Dakota, which was lovely, and road trip food can be rough. Uh, so we stopped for lunch at a Ruby Tuesday. And I don't think I've ever actually been to a Ruby Tuesday. I've been to like TGI Fridays and places like it, but I don't think I'd ever been to an actual Ruby Tuesday. What did you think? Well... <laughs> I don't want to spoil things here, but they have a very fancy salad bar. They do, yeah. And uh, I did not get it, but my dad did. And I was like, that looks like a pretty good choice. Well, what did you get? I got a sandwich that had chicken and avocado and fries. Because I needed the fries. (laughs) Uh, But uh, with the garden bar is what they call it. Mm -hmm. This stuff actually looked pretty good and you could order avocado on the side for $2, which my dad did because he listens to the podcast. Hi dad. (laughs) Uh, and they're like famous for their croutons, which sounded stupid to me when my dad said it. I was like, how could croutons make you famous? Did you have one? Yes. And they were remarkable. (laughs) Have you ever had one? I have. I've been to a Ruby Tuesday a few times. There's near one. They're, um, like soft and crunchy if that's possible. (laughs) 
They were, I thought they were really good. For, <laughs> this is making me hungry for croutons. Totally. Uh, but yeah, it's unlimited. You can go back as many times as you want. Yeah, I think it's actually quite fantastic. So uh, in terms of best choice, so, you know, if, if this were a one-time thing for me, I would most likely just get a burger because, you know me, I love me a good cheeseburger. Me too. However, that being said, uh, Ruby Tuesday actually has a pretty decent amount of uh, a, a decent amount of stuff on the menu that is very lean and clean, I would say. So if you look at their dinner menu, they actually have a whole bunch of seafood and they have a whole bunch of steak on the menu. So what I would recommend is getting something like the tilapia or the salmon and then getting the salad bar or ordering. Or you can oh, either yeah, get two you can sides. Add the salad bar. You can add the salad bar on for three ninety nine. That's a steal. <laughs> and then you get unlimited veggies. And oftentimes the salad bars are, I remember, do you remember Sizzler? Did you remember We didn't Sizzler? have Sizzler. We didn't have Sizzler. I loved Sizzler growing up. And the salad bar was my favorite. We would just go and we would just do the salad bar because it was just such an epic, epic salad bar that also had like proteins and stuff. And yeah. I remember there was always Froyo at the end. And, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, I love me a good salad bar. Uh, however, that being said, salad bars oftentimes have, you know, tons of cheese and tons of pasta, and you can absolutely go um, on the leaner side by doing all the veggies first and then selecting some accoutrement to, <laughs> to you know, make things a little bit more special. Totally. So that's what I would do. I would do the tilapia and the salad bar if it nice. were me. Yeah. Well, it is you. It is me. <laughs> it is me at the Ruby Tuesday, and then I would get the strawberry lemonade because that's what they're famous for. <laughs> I didn't know that, and I didn't get it. I just got regular iced tea. It's probably good that you didn't get it. <laughs> probably. Uh, cool. Well, next time I go to Ruby Tuesday, I'm going to get salad bar, and I'm going to get some of those world-famous croutons. <laughs> Thanks, Daphne. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, which is justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.